0: You're listening (laughs) to A Mamma Mia podcast Just a heads up that today's episode of The Quickie is not for little ears So if you have a tiny person near you, pop in a headphone or maybe save this one for later From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily 18 months ago, we looked into how much sex Aussie women are really having, after Mamma Mia spoke to more than 1,000 women about their lives between the sheets.
2: Usually the first years when people meet, there's lots of sex. But then after a while, when normality sets in, that will slow down.
0: But since then, we've had catastrophic bushfires, a pandemic, floods. We've dealt with job losses, a reckoning on the treatment of women in the workplace and so many other things that could affect us when we get busy in the bedroom. So Mama Mia has gone back and had a look at what our sex lives look like today. And the results might just surprise you. When we went into lockdown last year, there were many out there hypothesising that with all that extra home time on our hands, we would spend it jumping into the sack with our significant others. On the other hand, some experts predicted that with all the stress and uncertainty surrounding the pandemic, being locked down with our partners, or that lingering effect of social distancing on meeting a new sexual partner, that we'd possibly feel less inclined to get down. So how are we looking today? We're more than a year past the first lockdown. And here in Australia, we're in a pretty good position as far as our ability to interact with other people goes. So has the last 12 months affected us to the point where it's also impacting our sex lives? Katie Stowe is Mamma Mia's evening editor. Recently, she conducted a survey of 1,000 women to find out what was going on both in and outside of our bedrooms. Katie, break it down for us. Back in 2019, we were having sex once a week on average. Has that changed?
1: So since 2019, and despite a global pandemic, it looks like things have actually picked up a bit. The majority of women are now having sex twice a week and with once a week and three to six times a week coming in a close second. But when we break down that data, we can actually see that 38% of single women are having absolutely no sex at all, and the age bracket of singles seeing the least amount of sex is, disappointingly, women over the age of 50. Lisa
0: Tawney is a counsellor and sex and relationship therapist who had over 20 years' experience as a social worker before getting her master's degree in sexual health counselling at Sydney University. Lisa says a couple's healthy sex life has nothing to do with numbers.
2: People who have really good sexual communication are the ones who tend to have a good, healthy sex life. People who can openly talk about sex with their partner and explore their sexual interests and desires with one another.
0: What about singles in 2021? We found that 38% are not having sex at all at the moment. Is it just the world is a difficult place to be single right now? How are we navigating single life in a pandemic?
2: It's been incredibly difficult and I think there's heightened global anxiety about that. You know, there's a risk factor, isn't it? Greater than STIs at the moment in terms of COVID. And I think during lockdown, people had to shut their libido down quite a bit. For single people, the idea of dating just wasn't possible anymore. So I think it's a slow emergence back into culture. I think people are taking a bit of time. They've been a bit nervous. You know, we went four months in Melbourne in lockdown, that long one. And get back on the dating scene, it's maybe been a bit fearful for people and feeling a bit reluctant.
0: We also found that women over 50 are struggling with physical relationships. Is this a tough age to keep the libido running or is it more about how society views women in their 50s?
2: Probably a bit of both, I think. The changes that come with menopause might be impacting on uh, desire or, you know, libido, just your comfortability as well with sex. On the other hand, too, you know, there's a, a lot of women in their 50s are highly desired by younger people. So tapping into that sort of energy as well could be a real positive thing that there are people in their 50s having the best sex of their lives, actually.
0: Last year, we started to see stats from online retailers that showed the sale of sex toys jumped significantly through 2020 and into 2021. And our survey found that 81% of women own and use one. So what did we find out about what we get up to when we're going solo?
1: So according to our data, the majority of women around 31% are logging two solo sessions a week. However, within the Mamma Sex Survey, we found that actually 10% of respondents said that they never, ever masturbate.
0: Our survey also asked women how they masturbate, and the results were pretty interesting, with so many of us having a different style to help us reach climax.
1: The answers were pretty varied. Some of the top answers included humping a pillow, lube and a mix of porn and toys, using the Womanizer, which is a clitoris sex toy that's very popular with our audience, laying on my stomach, scrunching up the corner of my doona and rubbing it against my clit, or the acoustic method, which is just using your hands and fingers.
0: It turns out that quite a lot of women use pornography to help them with their self-love too. 52% of the survey respondents saying they've watched it while they get off and 15% saying they always look at porn while masturbating. So what does healthy self-love look like? Lisa says it is very, very good for you.
2: Oh, it's incredibly good for us. Yeah, it's fantastic. Healthy masturbation is wonderful, actually, because it helps us learn about our bodies and helps us explain what we enjoy to another sex partner. It helps you connect with your body, so you can tell somebody else what gives you pleasure. It helps you to explore edging, to bring yourself up to the edge of orgasm and then bring it back down again so you can learn how to have stronger, more long-lasting orgasms. Also too, if orgasm is your goal, you know, there's a lot of health benefits out of that too, right? So all the release of chemicals and, you know, it might help you get to sleep, Claire.
0: So what are we thinking about when we send ourselves over the pleasure cliff? Mamma Mia asked about the fantasies that turn women on. And just like our diverse techniques, what was going on in our
1: heads at the time varied quite a bit too. We asked women if there was something that they were surprised that they aroused at and what they sort of used in to get in the zone during a solo session. And some people actually responded doing the Mamma Mia sex survey, which was a huge up boost for my ego (laughs) but a few of the other answers included a sex dream about my boss girl-on-girl sex arouses me but i consider myself straight i recently watched a compelling video of a man in drag he was really sexy i'm always surprised or a little bit ashamed when i'm aroused by rough sex or sexual assault scenes in movies and a weird yoga video that popped up on youtube
0: Research on sexual fantasy has found that rough sex or dominant sex is extremely common, but some people feel shame or worry that they have an issue if that's what gets them off. Lisa says there's nothing to be concerned about.
2: Fantasies are different to sexual desires. So, you know, a fantasy is a sexually arousing thought or a mental picture that you have, but it's not necessarily something that you want to do, and that's what a sexual desire is. We often get a lot of pleasure in fantasies that involve taboo you know there's often a high level of arousal in things that we feel we shouldn't be doing or thinking about so just because you do have a fantasy about something it doesn't necessarily mean you want to do it
0: Some of the fantasies we explored included multiple partners and it seems quite a few of us would like to make that fantasy a reality.
1: This was actually a really big find that I think no one was expecting from the survey results because there's actually 57% of women admitting that they're open to the idea of having a threesome and with the most popular combination of a threesome being two girls and one guy. 23% of that have either already had a threesome or are actively seeking one out right this very second.
0: So was Lisa surprised to learn that the most common response was a threesome between two women and one man?
2: No, not at all. That's an extremely... Common scenario in threesomes. It depends on how that threesome comes about too. So, whether the threesome is generated by a man pushing that fantasy where there's two women, or whether the women are both interested in that fantasy as well. But it's one of the most common fantasies and threesome scenarios out there.
0: How do you approach your partner if that is something that you want to make a reality?
2: Just open and clear communication. Some people struggle to raise topics about their sexual interests or fantasies with a partner. But the only way to do it is to actually have the conversation, right? So, and to be prepared for the fact that your partner may not be interested, but also if they are interested, then just take it slow and really consider all the different possibilities that might happen if that threesome does happen.
0: One of the more disturbing stats we came across in our research was around the feedback on the use of contraception.
1: Interestingly, 52% of people currently don't use any contraception at all, and we had a really healthy mix of the respondents being single and in a relationship. But those who are most likely to use contraception sit firmly in that age 16 to 24 bucket, tracking a healthy 85% of them regularly using contraception while having sex. But in terms of the winners of the most popular form of contraception, they are definitely the pill at 42%, condoms at 33%, and IUDs at 25%. And what contraception you pick is actually very much determined by age. So if you're under 25 years old, you're way more likely to lean towards the pill. If you're in your 30s, you like to keep things pretty classic with condoms. And if you're over 50 years old, you're probably a big fan of IUDs. We also asked if anyone had felt pressure to not use a condom during sex, and I'm afraid to say the pressure to have unprotected sex without a condom is disappointingly rife, particularly within the age 25 to 29 bracket. 47% of respondents have felt pressured to have sex without a condom, and while singles are more likely to deal with this conundrum, 46% of those in relationship have also dealt with condom pressure too.
0: It seems the onus really is on women to organise the contraceptive and for the end result only to be to avoid pregnancy rather than a sexually transmitted
2: infection. Lisa
0: says there has been a change in how we perceive the dangers of STIs.
2: We have seen a rise over the years in STIs. I think that there are people who aren't really thinking much about it anymore. So. It's been an interesting shift and we have moved away from a lot of those fear campaigns too back from the 80s and uh, and 90s and, and change around HIV and the medications improving, the reduction of getting HIV now. So, yeah, I think that overall there has been a real easing up of fear, I suppose, around STIs. You need to have clear boundaries about contraception and condom use. People will try to push those boundaries I think it's important to have very clear idea about what is okay and not okay for yourself. And if someone isn't respecting your boundaries around condom use, then you need to really think about whether you want to be having sex with that person because they're not respecting your boundaries.
0: While we explored many of the things women do and want to do in bed, there was one thing that kept popping up concerning what women aren't that keen to get into when they're getting intimate.
1: Anal sex and anal play were firm no's for a lot of respondents, followed up with a side serving of golden showers, scat and urinating that many were not ordering off the menu.
0: Lisa, anal sex is so common in pornography where many young men especially are learning about sex for the first time. How do we make it clear that it's not on some women's sexual wish lists?
2: The bigger issue here too is the images that people see in porn are not realistic of how anal sex happens, which can be incredibly pleasurable sexual experience for many people. But They're not seeing it done properly in porn, and so therefore, people have these really terrible experiences of it. So, if people are interested in that, they should be having conversations around what does healthy anal sex look like, and how do we go about it? It's not like porn where suddenly there's a penis and it's boom, there it is, going straight into a a butt. You know, it doesn't really work like that in real life, but it can be very pleasurable to people. So, it's actually about education around how do you do this. Properly, so it feels good, but again, also to say, No, that's not an interest for me.
0: To end today's cheeky peek into our bedroom habits, we're going to find out what things are on your sexual bucket list. What are you hoping to take from
1: fantasy to reality? Maybe yours made the list too. So, this was definitely one of our favourite questions to ask and let people answer anonymously because they really don't hold back with their answers. And we got a really big variety of responses, but in the mix, Sex on the beach, watching porn with their partner, swingers parties, tantric sex, sex on the kitchen bench, BDSM, an affair, pegging, period sex, squirting, being dominated, and finally there was a quote of, I probably just wanna do it again, menopause has killed my libido.
0: That's The Quickie for today. This episode was produced by myself, Claire Murphy, and The Quickie's executive producer, Siobhan Moran-McFarlane. Audio production by Madeline Joanno.
1: Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation.